Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 262, I have the privilege of chatting with Susie Davis because you deserve a mentor. I think mentorship is one of those words that's being misused. And it's really, I think that mentorship is being used as discipleship, which I think is different. Yeah. Or even evangelism, which is different. I think that you can be an evangelist or a discipler, but I think mentorship is different. I'm not saying mentorship doesn't involve the Bible, but it's like the girls that I've mentored, we don't sit down and read the Bible together. They come over and I'm in the kitchen making bread and I'm saying, what's going on with your life? Where's God in your life? And God is letting His wisdom spill out in a natural, organic way. Susie is the author of so many books. She's the mentor of mentors and the host of the Dear Daughters podcast and a new book of the same name. Today, she's coming on the show answering your questions about mentorship, marriage, parenting, meeting with God. It's just a wise voice that we need in a time with so much information. She's going to talk you through what it looks like to set appropriate expectations for mentorship, how to approach someone to be a mentor. I hope it inspires you to take that next step. Okay, but first, listen up. If you are a parent of a child four to seven and you're looking for a tool to help your child learn to read, I want to tell you about the Phonics Museum app. So it is an app you can find in any iOS store. Unfortunately, it's not on any Android device yet, but It's a great way to engage your child with over 900 games, videos, early reading books, memory songs, exercises. It's based on a classical education phonics curriculum by Veritas Press. They will become a master of phonics rules with the help of Miss Biddle, Percival, and other fun characters. You can try it out for free, signing up for two weeks. Just download that app, and after the two weeks, You'll be charged whether you want to do a monthly membership or an annual membership. You can use it for up to three kids per membership. Go check it out, Phonics Museum. Try it for two weeks. And I hope it is helpful for your kids to learn how to read. All right, let's get to my chat with Susie. Here we go. Hey, Susie. Welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hey, Heather. I'm so glad to be here. It's going to be fun. Well, we love a good <laughs> spiritual mama up in here. I mean, we just had this summer of mentorship where I kind of curated a bunch of mentors from past episodes, and I think it got people thinking about this topic. And so I was so thankful that your name crossed my email path, and um, we got to be connected after all these years of just kind of following parallel paths in this online world. I'm so thankful that you're able to talk today. So you have been this spiritual mama to many, and we're thankful for that. But not everyone has that in their life, and they desire it. They want the wisdom. There's information everywhere. But wisdom for my situation, my story today, I feel like that takes a flesh-on-flesh relationship. Yeah, I agree. So how do we, how do we find and initiate that kind of relationship? Yeah, I get this question a lot. And honestly, what I get first is people have contacted me, DM'd me and said, hey, will you mentor me? And so I know there's a lot of women out there who want a mentor. And guess what? I think you deserve a mentor. I think it's God's 
will for your life to have an older woman that you can talk to that has wisdom for you in your specific situation. And maybe that's your own mother prayerfully. I think that would be the ideal is that you have a a mother who is a spiritual woman who recognizes her special and sacred role in your life and the opportunity for her to be healthy and offer you wisdom. Uh, That would be the best situation. It's not always the way it works. And so, you know, it's also important. And even if you have a mother that is spiritual, it's important to have another woman in your life too. Um, I want my daughters, I want to be able to give them wisdom when they ask for it. But I really appreciate the fact that there are women in their community that have come alongside them and have talked about their marriage, you know, issues or what they're supposed to be doing with their life or their uh, relationship with God. So I really believe that you deserve a mentor. So don't give up hope um, because I know that, that there are a lot of women seeking and it, it can be tricky to find someone that you can sit knee to knee with and talk about your life. So what would you say they should look for? Because I know that a mentor doesn't have to be 80 years old. No. Obviously. Although that's you great. Are, you are not 80 years old. No, I'm not yet, but I will be someday. So what would, what do we, it's not just an age thing. What are we looking for? What should they process through as they're considering who to approach? Right. So if I was a, a mother with young children, I would look for someone with children a little bit older than mine. Someone who, you know, you're like, gosh, I love how she's not screaming at her kids, or I love how she's parenting her teenagers, or this is always a good sign. Look around and find families that are pretty healthy. No one's wholly healthy. We're all a little messed up, but like, <laughs> who's pretty healthy out there? Like, we're pr- they look pretty normal. They love God. Um, they're still in the game. Like, they're still married. Like, if it's anybody that's a couple of steps ahead of you in any area of your life that you really want wisdom on, whether that's parenting or marriage or just a spiritual walk, it can be creative life. It might be your author or writer and you, you want mentorship in the area of your profession. I mean, it can be any area. Um, and I think it wells up inside you. I don't think you even have to make a list. Like there's some need in your life. You need wisdom. And so there's some person that can offer you that wisdom, that can be Jesus in the flesh in your life. And we kind of discount praying about it. Like, we, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's always like the last resort. But I've seen if you, God, I'm really, you know that I need wisdom in this area. Open my eyes to see the person. Because sometimes we can think, oh, that, not that one. Yeah. That is the true. one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I can say this too, like I, sometimes a mentor comes on you without your knowledge. Like one of, mm. one of the women that mentored me the best or most profoundly with the shortest amount of time was a seminary wife. When we were newly married in Fort Worth, my husband was finishing his doctorate and she had a Bible study for some young women in her home. And we went through like a book study basically. And it really wasn't the book that you know what I'm saying? It's not the study. It's not the book. It was Jane. And Jane just made her home available. She opened it up. And I would say if she looked back, she would probably think that I was like the one that was the least impact by her availability. But in essence, when I was in that Bible study, God spoke to me in a huge way and it started a healing process in my life. 
So it can even be just a sliver of time where you're available or where somebody's available to you. It can look one way, but God can have a different purpose and perspective um, for you. And that's what's happened to me over and over. I can point to different women in different seasons of my life who were just there for me. I think that's an encouragement to those who are mentoring that uh, discount themselves and think, oh, well, I don't have anything to offer. My kids didn't necessarily turn out. Or I can't give that much time to recognize if God's giving you that prompting or someone comes to you that you trust him with whatever piece and role you play in their story. Absolutely. It can be one conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it really can be one conversation over coffee. It can be a really simple kindness in someone's life can make such a huge difference. So it's, yeah, it's just, you're right. And Heather, it's not having perfect children or anything like that. Because wisdom is won by doing the right thing and getting the reward and by doing the wrong thing and suffering (laughs) the consequence. And most often in my life, in my relationships with the women I mentor, they learn from my mistakes. And I, I have to kind of be vulnerable and say, here's where I screwed up. And here's where God's grace was in my life. And here's where I am now. And hey, I would love for you not to have to go through this. So I'm going to share my story. Um, about how it didn't go well for me and and how it was really hard, um, but how God came through anyway. And and so here's my story. What's going on with yours? I think we respect that in our mentors when they're vulnerable like that. You know, that because I know I look at my story and I see the imperfections. And when you are honest about yours, then we can meet there and I don't have to hide my junk from you. What do we say in a moment though? So we've prayed and God's pointed the person and we've figured her out and someone wanted to know what exactly do you say so you don't offend I think she was concerned she might say words like wisdom or experience and that would be offensive like if someone came up to you in your community because I really do believe like you mentioned people DM you from afar or wherever I think it's someone that you can meet with in person do you think I've had it both ways okay let me start with what not to say. Okay. Don't walk up and say, will you mentor me? Because <laughs> that's loaded. That's a lot. That's it's a lot. A lot. And, yeah. a, and a lot of different people have a lot of different ideas. I think mentorship is one of those words that's being misused. Mm. And it's really, I think that mentorship is being used as discipleship, which I think is different. Interesting. Yeah. Or even evangelism, which is different. I, I think that you can be an evangelist or a discipler. But I think mentorship is different. So how does it differ? Well, and I'll, I'll tell you, I read a book on mentoring by Bob Beale, and this is where I got, and this is, it's always been my gut that this is what it is. But when I read his words, I was like, ta-da. Mm. He says, there are three different kinds of spiritual leaders in your life. There is the evangelist, the one who directs you to Jesus, like in a saving relationship with Jesus. There's the discipler who's going to teach you about God's word, who wants to educate you about what the word says. And then there's the mentor. And the mentor is the one that comes alongside and asks you about your life. And so the evangelist and the discipler are really, their end goal is something they've already decided. Okay. I want to get you to Christ. I want you to learn more about the word. The mentor is is a question asker and comes in and says, what's going on in your life? Yes, of course, they talk about the Bible, but so much of mentorship now, quote unquote, mentorship looks like it's a Bible study. 
with older women. And sometimes, and sometimes not, there's a connection between older women and younger women. I'm not saying mentorship doesn't involve the Bible, but it's like the girls that I've mentored, we don't sit down and read the Bible together. They come over and I'm, you know, in the kitchen making bread and I'm saying, what's going on with your life? Where's God in your life? And God is letting his wisdom spill out in a natural, organic way. Or we're thrifting or we're gardening or one of the girls that I mentored and have been mentoring for a while is someone who doesn't live in my city. And she, I met her through um, a business deal. We were, she was doing something for me. Um, I had a book come out and she was doing some of the design work and she just said, Hey, can we talk more? And we started talking more. It developed like that. And she is someone, I don't talk to her every day. I don't talk to her every week. I'm on call for her. If she needs me, she knows I'm here in the same way that my grown daughters know they can call me or text me at any time. And in the same way, I pray for them and think about them. And every time I see a picture of them online, you know, I'm thinking of them and praying for them. That's what mentoring looks like for me. So when I say, don't say, will you mentor me? Because I think, because I think there's been some confusion about it. Yeah. But then the thing that I think you should say is, Hey, can we meet for coffee? You're just, I love the way you raised your kids or whatever it is in your life, the subject matter. Can we meet and talk? And what you want to do is see if there's a connection. It's it's like a friendship. You, you kind of have to have a vibe <laughs> with the person. Then you ask for another meeting. It really can start with an ask over a cup of coffee. And the book that I've written called Dear Daughters is meant to be a bridge builder. It's meant to be because a lot of older women don't know. They're like, I don't know what questions to ask. And the younger woman's like, I don't know how to find a mentor. And so the book that I wrote is really the conversations I've had with the girls that I've mentored. Just kind of modeling what that looks like. Yeah, it's it's very organic. It's very normal and natural. It doesn't need to be some big formal thing that happens through a program. It's really not a program. It's a person. And that's the big difference. So in the same way you would pursue a friendship with someone, pursue a mentor. That's really helpful. And so then for you personally, and this might help the ones being asked to mentor, how do you discern when it's a yes for you, when it's a no? Yeah. Well, the first thing I look at is my schedule. Um, because, because here's what I know in the same way you mother children, like you think, you know, your schedule, but you don't. Right. <laughs> and right. There, things are going to come up. So in the same way, I look at that in a mentor situation. I'm, I'm like, things might come up. They might need me. So I don't want to over schedule myself with people. And I know what I can handle, what looks good as far as balance for my life. And so when someone says, will you mentor me or can I spend time with you? And I I can understand the end goal for that. I'm real honest. And I say, you know what? I would love to. There's nothing I would love to do more, but I'm not able to right now because of the commitments I've already made to the people that I'm already involved with. Yeah. Have you ever had that received poorly? I am sure I've disappointed people and I feel sad about it, but I also know that I'm after what Jesus did. And what Jesus did is he, he impacted a few people who made a big difference and he walked away from crowds and he taught and he was available, but he also understood the body he was in and the the limits and his end goal, what, what his end goal was. So for me, it's just like, like God needs to prompt me to a connection with someone too. Yeah. 
Well, it kind of it kind of reveals too what their expectations were. If you were the only answer to their need, that burden or that weight, and like you said, we're limited people, and God can use so many things to work in our lives. It doesn't have to be Susie Davis. I, I think there's like a release in that, or like a surrender that if someone's struggling with the no, it's revealing in how much they needed you specifically. And so that protection in that for both of you. Sure. And it's, it really isn't about, it's not about me or whoever the mentor right. is. Right. It's, it's about God <laughs> and he's not going to say no to your need, but it just might not look the way that you thought it looked. So if you're in one of these relationships, some people were asking, what do you do if you've established a relationship? You've asked them, they've said yes, but then it kind of fizzles out or they're, yeah. they're experiencing like a mentor that's not really pursuing or initiating. How do they manage that? Well, that's a really interesting because, you know, I guess the mentor could feel like they're not, that it might be the, the mentee's responsibility to pursue. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's something to talk about. Like, and I have with, with the young women I mentored, do you want to, talk weekly or do you want to talk monthly or do you want to just talk on demand? And for me, it's been, honestly, it's been when I think of the girls that I've walked with, they've come to me in a season of great need and there's been a lot of conversation. And then as they establish and get on their feet spiritually, we don't talk as much. But even recently, uh, one of the dear daughters that I mentored was here in Austin for a long time and she moved and I missed her so much, but we didn't talk as much when she moved, but she came back and she stayed a night with me here at the house. And it was like, it was just back to normal, you know, and we started talking about the big deep things again. And so that's kind of how a mentorship relationship can flow, but it's good to talk about the expectation because if you have an expectation that a mentor is going to be someone who walks you through a Bible study or that, this is another one I've heard that, you know, there might be girls who just want to come hang out at the house all the time and be around all the time. Mm. That's not my style. <laughs> the Davises, we're in ministry. And so we appreciate a lot of quiet and privacy. Does it mean that there aren't girls over here? No. I mean, sometimes they are, but it's not like someone comes over and hangs out at the house all the time on folding laundry. Like it's just, that's not my style. It is someone else's style where you walk in the door, the back door, and you just make yourself at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Setting all those expectations, making it clear from the beginning. Absolutely. You know, you kind of hinted at this before we go on to marriage. You mentioned that ideally it's the mom and the daughter having that kind of relationship and your own daughters have women outside of you and you love that. What if a mom struggles though? She feels like she's inadequate because her daughter isn't coming to her and confiding in her. Well, this is huge, Heather. And I'll tell you that all of our children are married. We prayed them up from the time they were not, not even born. We were praying for our kids. We were praying for their spouse. We prayed for those people for decades. They finally meet them. It's wonderful. We have this glorious wedding. It's the most joyful thing ever. And then right outside that, just weeks later, there's this deep sadness in my life. And it was when the youngest got married, the final marriage. And I started meeting with the spiritual director and I started understanding how deep the grief can be for a mother when she's, quote, an empty nester. And it's weird because it's like the most joyful 
thing. Your people have their people. It's everything you prayed for. And then there's this grief next to it that's almost inexplicable. And so meeting with my spiritual director helped me understand how joy and grief can walk side by side and that there's this tension. And I think, honestly, a lot of women who are empty nesting don't get that. They're, they're feeling the grief. And instead of acknowledging it and lamenting the loss, they're holding on tighter. Mm. And they're trying to usurp what shouldn't be usurped, which is when your child goes off and gets married, they've created a new family and a new allegiance and their well-being needs to be that the husband and the wife are above everything. So in essence, the family of origin gets bumped down a notch, dethroned. And that's really, really hard to find a new place to be. But that's the way God wanted it to be. I think it's a lot, a lot of it is on, I mean, I'm just going to take responsibility for my generation. I think that the, the mother needs to be spiritual enough and healthy enough to find a way to be in this new role. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking of the daughter, like her being sad for her mom. She doesn't want to hurt her mom. She doesn't want her to grieve. And if her mom's not in a spiritually sound place, is there anything she can say or do to reassure her without enabling that codependency? Yeah. I think that the daughter's role is, is what I talked about Emily doing, being aware enough to set boundaries mm-hmm. and letting the boundaries create some awkward tension. And if you cannot figure it out, get yourself to a counselor's office, yeah. <laughs> like go. I'm serious. Like, because those relationships are so important and, and the family of origin should be a deep place of support for a new marriage and a new family. And when they're not, I think there's no greater tension than when a new marriage or a marriage extend, you know, years later is still struggling with issues with the extended family, with the quote unquote mother-in-law or mother or father-in-law or father. And so it's, it's learning how to handle just the fragile nature of family. And I think it absolutely involves grief. There's no new season without transitional grief, period. It's very sexy. I know, but (laughs) it's just speaking of sexy. Um, Yeah, no, very wise. And we did have John Townsend come on and talk about boundaries. If y'all are struggling through that, he's, he's, that's a great resource for really walking people through healthy boundaries with parents and in life. Susie mentioned the differences between discipleship, evangelism, and mentorship. And I know as Christian moms, we want to teach our children as much as we can about faith while they're in the home, but busyness can get in the way. And sometimes we just need a little help knowing what to say. That's why I'm thrilled to share with you a brand new resource that partners with parents and family discipleship. Kids Faith Crate is a monthly craft subscription box to help cultivate your child's faith. Every month, your family's going to get a new box or crate, as they call them, filled with weekly family Bible lessons, coordinating crafts. You get scripture reading, questions for conversation, memory verse, a prayer based on scripture that you can pray over your child. Kids Faith Crate provides convenience, fun, and gives direction in family discipleship. Their crates are targeted to kids ages 4 to 10, and there's an option to include craft supplies for up to three children. Go to kidsfaithcrate.com and crate spelled with a K, use the code DMA10 to get $10 off any subscription. That's kidsfaithcrate.com, 
with a K, and use the code DMA10 to get $10 off your subscription. All right, let's get to my chat with Susie. Here we go. But let's talk about marriage. Speaking, let's since you it. brought it up. Uh, sure. Let's practice this mentoring. Mentor us um, in marriage. Specifically, I've noticed a lot of the questions I got were about division in the marriage or differences. And you wrote a book, Loving Your Man Without Losing Your Mind. And you also wrote a book, Uncovered, and it had sexy in the subtitle. <laughs> how to have a sexy marriage, something like that. Um, so you have experience. You've been married for how many years? Uh, 35 this June. So wow, a while. Congratulations. Congratulations. So Thanks. how do we practically appreciate each other's differences in marriage? Because thankfully we're different. Thankfully. Yeah. I mean, oh my gracious. I think all my marriage has been loving your man without losing your mind. Let's just talk about it. Like you're attracted in the first place to your husband's differences usually. Right. You know, and then you get married and you're like, it's the thing that is like grating on your nerves. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just like, stop, stop it. But um, that I think, first of all, acknowledging that it's very normal. Uh, for you to be irritated by the differences in a marriage. And I'll say this too. I think that probably the first, you know, decade of my, my marriage, I think I was trying to transform Will into a better picture of what I thought he needed to be for me, right. you know? Right. And some of him, some of the things that I wanted him to do is like, be less loud, be less messy, be more like me. And in some ways, be more like a woman. You know what I'm saying? Wow, like, yeah. Notice the little details, like you didn't clean the counter. There is still mustard there. It will stain, you know, just things like that, stereotypical things you hear people talk about. But um, yeah, it's about appreciating the differences. I think the greatest opportunity for sanctification, which is just becoming more like God, is in marriage. It is the one relationship that is never supposed to end. You stop parenting your children. You leave and cleave. So you move away from your family of origin. I mean, marriage is that one relationship. So it's inside that one relationship that you're quote unquote trapped. And like, you can't escape that other person. You can't not work it out with that other person. You have to like do the work and it requires a lot of sacrifice over and over and over. Um, The kind of sacrifice that Jesus had made for us over and over and over putting yourself second. I mean, I've, I kind of feel like that's what marriage is. And that makes it sound like it's not very much fun, but it really you know, it sounds like a huge burden, but it really is like the relationship that continues. Should you let it to make you more like God? Well, it's this tricky thing in culture we have right now. And even had a few episodes on acknowledging that marriage is hard in a world that's telling us we should all be happy and get our way. And yet also acknowledging, I know there's so many women in the church that are living in marriages um, with abuse and yep. mistreatment because the husband isn't loving the wife like Christ loves the church. So right. they're not even following the biblical mandate on their end. Yeah. So there's like these two things happening. And in the middle is God's plan and design for marriage, which is two imperfect sinners married and trusting God, but also following the commands to love each other sacrificially and well and respect one another. And so, especially as parents, we bump into these challenges and we don't know what to do. 
in the hard. So someone asked like, what if you disagree? So you have your differences and you're disagreeing on how to parent and how specifically I think discipline brings everything to a head. In our family, that for sure happened. You know, how do we handle this misbehavior? And maybe I just read a book or I just listened to a podcast. And so I have this new approach and you've got to get on board with this new approach. And they're like, let's just do what my parents did. (laughs) Do what I say or else, you know, like, so how does a mom handle, yes, the differences and specifically as parents and parenting and getting on the same page? Yeah. And that's a big one too. And you don't know till you know, like you don't, you don't know until you walk through it, how you're going to feel about um, disciplining a child. You, you don't know. And well, let me just say, I think the best thing you can do is know that everybody goes through it. Like nobody has their, their game altogether. And that it's a pretty normal thing to learn that you have different approaches to discipline or whatever, what your goals are for the child. Like these are things that you have to work out. One important thing I would say is that it's important to have those conversations behind closed doors. I don't think that's something the kids need to be privy to. And that's really hard, like especially if you seriously disagree with your spouse about discipline or whatever you and like, for example, if you're the good cop and your husband's the bad cop, like you want your kid to know you're the good cop, right? You, you really want him to know that you'd rather not go through this, but your father, blah, blah, blah. That's like not the picture, really, that you want your kids to have. And part of that is, I think that as a parent, as a mother, you're constantly looking for validation that you're doing the right thing and that you're not screwing your kids up. And the truth is that we don't always do the right things and we will screw our kids up. And that's really hard because the reason you're arguing with your spouse about what to do is because y'all don't really know what to do. And every child is different. What worked for the first child might not work for the third child. And let's be honest, the first child is the guinea pig and the third child doesn't get what the first child got. You know, like hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, we laugh about it now. And if you're if you're a child who had siblings, you know, if you were the baby, you got away with a lot more than the firstborn did. To the chagrin of all the older siblings. They're like, What? Why does he get right? It's totally unfair. It is. It's unfair. I admit. But I think it's process and it needs to be something that you work out as grown up and adults, not in the in in the presence of your children as much as you can. But also, I just, I mean, I'm going to go back to this. I think that you need a mentor in your life that can walk you through um, how to handle those things. Like I could just say, here's what everybody wants, Heather. One, two, three. Yep. Formula. Susie, give me these steps. And then we won't have tension about discipline, mm-hmm. about what discipline looks for, like for our kids. And I'm here to tell you, I can't tell you that, but I can tell you that God has people in your life that can help you understand what wisdom looks like as you raise your children. That is what a real mentor in your life who knows the specifics of your situation. Yes. I mean, it could be that you're in a relationship with someone and you are recovering from an affair and the discipline issue is a layer on top of an already complex marriage situation that you're trying to love each other through. And so a mentor would need to be privy to that. And you can't just say, well, do what I did with my kids because your kids are different than my kids. And so- it's the guiding, like you said, the mentorship is this guiding specific to their situation under the authority of Christ, like in, right. and the Holy Spirit's leading and not just this formula for sure. And I think also it's just good to have a good therapist on hand always. <laughs> Another shout out to the counseling for sure. <laughs> Serious, like, and this is the other thing. 
we told our kids from the time they were like teenagers, I was like, hey, we're doing the best job we can. And we know that we're going to mess you up some. And you know what? We're going to pay for your counseling. <laughs> like we, we will pay for your counseling. And guess what, Heather? The truth is we have told our grown adult children that like, hey, we'll pay for your counseling. We'll be there with you if your issues are about us. Like, like we're committed to wholeness and, and being healthy, a pretty normal, healthy family. And what that says, when you go to a counselor, what you're saying is like, I don't have it all together, which is a great first step, this humility, and I need your help. And I, I don't think that's anything to feel embarrassed about. We've, Will and I saw one last spring about our marriage, about ministry. Ministry had gotten entangled, created a lot of hardship in our marriage. You know, it's just like, and just one visit was like the clarity we needed. The outsider's perspective. So helpful. And the distinction between a mentor and a counselor. Can you go into that a little bit? Well, a counselor is going to be able to see things from a clinical standpoint that are really helpful. And I think like my husband suffers with depression, so he's on medication. That's something a counselor would be able to point out and see. And I, I would not count on a mentor to have, you know, the wisdom to necessarily see something like that. They may say you need to see a professional. I remember mentoring. I someone. hope they would. Well, yeah. I, I was mentoring someone, and something in my home triggered a traumatic memory that she shared so easily that I thought there's so much more here that I wasn't aware of. That I did. I said I am very willing to meet with you, but I really think that what you need is a professional to walk you through right. the trauma that you've experienced that you haven't really worked through, and and that's a professional's role job. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just want to end. I want this question because I think it's, <laughs> I think you have it and it may just come naturally to you because you are just that fun loving, but how do you find joy when you feel pulled down by day-to-day tasks? You want better for your family. And, and this again is goes back to our differences because some, this is not hard for them to find joy in the day-to-day, but others, it is not their natural bent. Well, and I'll tell you this, Heather, I, didn't have everyday joy for a long time. Mm-hmm. I had anxiety. I had everyday anxiety. Interesting. Um, yeah, I witnessed a murder when I was in fourth grade in my classroom. And oh, it created a fear stronghold in my life. And so instead of waking up and being aware of like the good things in life, I woke up worried about taking care of myself. And I think that when you are consumed with managing your life or the life of other people, it can sap all the energy you have to see the joy in your life, to be grateful, to see what you do have instead of what you don't have. And honestly, I mean, we live in, in a place where we can wake up and think about what kind of coffee we want to have or you know, <laughs> where we're going to get our coffee, what drive through we're going to, there are so many reasons to be grateful um, for the people in your life, for what your eyes are seeing right now. There are just so many ways to feel grateful, to be grateful. And I think that anxiety is just one of those things or worry. And you don't have to have witnessed murder to have anxiety. I mean, I would say a prolonged relational difficulty can create that. If you have any kind of illness that you're struggling with, if you have a child who's going through a really difficult time, that anxiety can sap all your personal a resource for joy. And it's in every day walking through that surrender again to God and whatever it looks like for you today. Maybe it's like 
your surrender to God is making an appointment with a therapist. Maybe your surrender of God is saying, you know what? My life's not that horrible. I'm going to go get a cup of McDonald's coffee and like sit outside for a minute and look at the sky and realize God's still in control. For me, it was releasing all that worry to God and saying, you know what, God, I love you. And I really do trust you. For a long time, I said, I love you, but I don't trust you because you let something bad happen to me. That's what I've heard the definition of worry, that it's that you think God's going to get it wrong. So it's kind of always being on alert that he can't be trusted. And so you need to be in control of everything. And so it's constant alert. It is hard to have joy. So I'm glad you said all that. Yeah. Joy is one of the biggest surrenders. It's a free fall. Mm. It really is. It's a free fall and a belief that God is really good, is very vulnerable to be joyful. And ask God for joy. Ask him if you can experience that kind of joy. So good. Okay. I'm looking at our time. I'm going to push it because you said you struggled through this and it may be the thing that someone needs to hear today. Yeah. Um, Someone who asked that they're not hearing from God and they wonder what they're doing wrong. Mm. Okay. First of all, and I'll, I'll make it as brief as possible. You're not doing anything wrong. It might be that God wants to talk to you in a different way. I have one girl that I talk to often and she used to have a very feelings oriented relationship with God and she move to a more cerebral relationship. And that can happen. It might be a season change. I went through a long months long period of time where God stopped talking to me. And I literally like cried every day. I thought I was, I went to a counselor and I said, am I going crazy? And he said, no, all the ancients experience this easy. It's called a dark night of the soul. And so if you're going through a hard time, I want you to, to Google that and look at, at the resources. St. Teresa went through it, where it just an absence of God's what she felt like voice. And when I realized other people had walked through that and they they walked through it, um, it gave me a, a lot of hope and I came out of it. So it might be that, but you're not doing anything wrong. I mean, examine your life. Look and see if there's sin issues. And then realize that this is something normal that people go through. When I think sometimes with that whole hearing from God, what that means to one person, what that means from to another person may vary. Yeah, absolutely. And Or they question, they say, well, that's not really God. That was my thoughts. So I can't really trust that. Or I was talking to a friend and she said, some people so flippantly use God as the excuse for their actions that it devalues the voice of God in my life. You know, like they're yeah. saying, oh, well, God told me I needed to this X, Y, or Z in avoidance of the hard thing. She struggled for that guidance from God because it wasn't valued in the other person. And so I don't know if you've heard a definition of what that hearing from God looks like. I've heard a few things, but I'd love to hear what you've heard. Well, for me, obviously God speaks through the word. He speaks through people. So I say, when I hear from God, when I read his word, I hear from God. When I know that what is someone is saying is true, I feel like I'm hearing from God. But I tell you, honestly, Heather, the way that God speaks to me, quote unquote, the most is just like being outside. God speaks to me in nature when I walk outside. And it says in um, Romans that, you know, if someone had never heard the gospel, quote unquote, (laughs) no one ever shared a track with them, um, that they could walk outside and that that would be enough, you know? So that's back to that whole joy thing. Like, please today, sometime walk outside without your phone and look up at the sky. 
and remember that the sky that you're looking at is something that God created. He's even more beautiful and bigger and more amazing than what you're seeing with your eyes. And sit under that for just a minute, realizing that the very God who, who you are, you're looking up and seeing that, that amazing sky is what Tozer says, friends with you. There's um, a quote that I recently put on my Instagram because it, it just astounded me so bad, so much. But it says, and I'm just going to read it, the whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe that we live under a friendly sky and that the God of heaven, though exalted in power and majesty, is eager to be friends with us. It's just amazing. So, yeah, sink into that wonder that God wants to be friends with us. Yay. That's a good way to end it, Susie. Um, <laughs> so you have your book, Dear Daughters, out. And where can people find you online? Uh, the best place is, you know, I'm at the regular stops, Instagram and Facebook and all that. But if you go to my website, it's Susie, S-U-S-I-E, Davis.org. Okay. And we'll link to it in the show notes for sure. Wonderful. You are you are a fun interviewer, oh, friend. you're so fun. I, we'll, we'll meet in person <laughs> one day. I know it. Yes. I know it. Oh. Yay. Okay. Well, ta-ta for now. Have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. You know, doing that interview with Susie reminded me that I hadn't reached out to a mentor in a while. And it was it was the conversation I needed to take that step to make an intentional time to get together with my friend Leslie Johnson. And ironically, it just happened last week. And I'm telling y'all, it it shifted things for me. I needed a breakthrough and she gave me the insight and the wisdom. She listened, she reframed, and I feel like the couple hours we had together have exponential impact on what I'm doing going forward. So make the time, be brave. If you don't have a person in mind, pray, God, bring me to mind the person you want me to reach out to. And if you are a woman who's gone before, consider yourself. <laughs> Whether you think you have arrived or not, or you did a quote unquote good job as a mom or a wife or a friend, just allow God to use you in the life of other people. Don't let insecurity or anything the enemy tries to tell you keep you from playing that role in someone else's life. All right, I'm going to pray for us. I know this is your heart that you desire for us to be in relationships where we can receive godly wisdom. We also know that no person can replace your presence. I pray that we would first come to you to be the one who meets our needs, but that we can also be brave to invite and to reach out and to not believe a lie of isolation that no one understands, to not be so consumed with self-awareness that we hide away uh, in fear of how we will be received. Lord, I pray that you would break through our anxieties and our fears and that you would just fill us with this knowledge of our worth so we can be the kind of women you've created us to be. I pray for insight on who to ask, who to reach out to, how to do that, that you can be the one that guides these conversations so that more women are finding themselves in healthy community to guide these important roles of marriage and mothering and friendship. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Thanks, y'all, for listening. We are going to have the screening for the documentary on November 9th. 
Again, all those details will be sent out via email. If you aren't getting my emails every Monday, you just go to holaheather, H-O-L-A, heather.com and sign up. All right. Thanks y'all for joining me. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah three seventeen, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.